What's good out there, Sean? What m- tiny tragedies are are you wading through in your life? Do you only want to hear about the tragedies? Well, just like one to match uh, Peter and I's food tragedies. Do you have a tiny food tragedy? Tiny tragedy. Not that I never experienced tragedies, but at the this moment, nothing's coming to mind that's worth retelling. Not nearly as good as your guys' stories. Yeah. I mean, it's we not every some... it's not every day that you have to wait in line at McDonald's for too long, <laughs> <laughs> or get a pizza that's not cheesy enough. Yeah, pizza without enough cheese. I shudder to think. <laughs> wow. Okay, you're above all that. You're <laughs> you're not down here in the mud with the rest of us. That's fine. <laughs> Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman, and you know what, guys? I recently discovered that in a previous life, I was a traveling salesman. Oh. You want to know what I sold? Was it Moogs? Moog keyboards? I sold fruits and candy. Oh. Some people called me the Honeycrisp Starburst Cowboy. Oh my god. Wow, that was good though. That was gold as you promised. Yeah, I I promised. I delivered. Wow. I'm co-host Jeremy and after that I just don't feel like dancing, guys. Don't feel like dancing after that. I don't feel much like dancing. <laughs> well, we'll see if you feel like dancing as we go here, Jeremy. I am co-host Peter Cook. And I am shocked by the dramatic turn away from music toward theology that we are taking on this week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right? That's what we're doing. The uh, 18th century American revivalist preacher, philosopher, and congregational theologian, Jonathan Edwards, right? I actually was going to mention that at some point. (laughs) He's uh, an early fire and brimstone kind of preacher. Yes. Yes, that's what we're doing, and it's his second album, Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy, which was a huge turn from his uh, his participation in the first Great Awakening <laughs> of revivalist churches, but uh, it's kind of like a, a back-to-land, church-of-nature kind of vibe he goes for. Okay. And are we going to talk about, like, at what point he was also a uh, former senator from North Carolina? <laughs> no, that's the wrong Jonathan Edwards, Sean. Oh, okay. Well, I, I guess I was confused. I'm glad you two have the facts straight. I'll just shut up and listen. Okay. Well, in actuality, this is not the theologian Jonathan Edwards. It's uh, Jonathan Edwards, a singer. We're doing Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy, and I'm just going to rip that track first. Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy. The title track. (laughs) 
his cowboy boots and rhinestone suits and flashy guitar. He makes the rounds of the bars and towns trying to be a hillbilly star. Play all night if you treat him right. Buy him a beer or two. So let the honky tonk stardust cowboy sing to you. He sings the country tunes of bygone days. Faded love, sin and rose. And I love you a thousand. No matter what you request, he'll sing aloud and do his best. So let the honky tonk stardust cowboy keep on singing. That's uh, about what I would expect the title track of an album called Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy to sound like. Not necessarily what I would expect Jonathan Edwards to sound like from the one song I know by him. Well, that's not true that that's the one song that's the one song that I knew for most of my life by him. Yeah. And what song is that? I believe it's called the ballad. <laughs> it's just called sunshine. Yeah, it's just called sunshine, right? <laughs> I was like, is it called sunshine go away? <laughs> no, just sunshine. That was uh, his mega hit. Went to number four on the Billboard charts, and it's on his debut solo album, which was the album immediately before this album. His self-titled? Is that a self-titled? It is. But we connoisseurs of quality, underappreciated albums are going to the second album. One that you can still find relatively easy? Yeah, I think the first one you can as well, but this one's the uh, underappreciated classic, I'd say. People, like you said, it's Sunshine is kind of in the culture it's one of those songs that's just kind of in the air at this point and everybody knows it but uh not so much on the honky tonk stardust cowboys so no one to bring that to the people and in hearing this you know and what a great overall i would say country record it is maybe country rock i'm, I'm realizing that you know jonathan edwards 
doesn't have a tragic story that makes you romanticize him like say Graham Parsons. So no, not at all. He, he's he's still working. He just put out an album over COVID right here where I am and it's still dope and he's still like out touring and stuff. I just saw he like had to cancel some shows cuz of COVID again. But it's just like videos of him like it's 420 and then he like plays some harmonica and stuff and <laughs> he's just he's the real deal he's got that lust for life yeah yeah and and i thought about while listening to this checking it out like wow what a great record uh i probably if he had you know died tragically i probably would have checked this out a long time ago yeah that's how it goes <laughs> realizing what a thought though <laughs> Realizing uh, that sometimes maybe my approach to the uh, legends could use some adjustments. That's that's not just you. That's everyone. <laughs> well, the song itself, you were commenting uh, that you think that the Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy, based on the lyrics, sounds like a bit of a people pleaser, Jeremy. Yeah, just playing uh, any old requests and putting his whole heart in it, you know. Yeah, be a little choosy sometimes. Usually the people who are shouting requests are not. They don't have the best taste. <laughs> Sorry to any of our fans who are the uh, the shouter of songs at concerts. <laughs> I don't fucking know. He took us on a weird path way out from where I wanted to go. It's fine. What do you guys think of that slide guitar? It was great. That country rock vibe is in full effect on that song yeah the slide guitar was killing it the the beat was great and i just love jonathan edwards as a singer he's got that killer vibrato and he just soars over top of these songs i love it yeah not in that's one of the things i like most about his music is that he has a super strong voice but not in that like selling it over the top like sounding like he's stressing to get the notes out kind of thing it's just like naturally flows out of him this like strong beautiful voice and it's it's really nice i i first started getting into jonathan edwards around the same time that i started getting into kenny rankin and i think they share some vocal similarities in what you're just talking about with that kind of effortless very soulful vocal approach yeah, kind of a lot more subtle than people who get praised for their voices tend to be. Mm-hmm. And another thing I like about this record, we'll talk a little bit more about his history in a bit, but there's, as you mentioned, like Graham Parsons, and there's the whole psychedelic country, Austin, Armadillo scene, but... Jonathan Edwards kind of comes from the opposite angle. Like those guys were country dudes who like somebody handed them a joint and they started making more psyche stuff. But Jonathan was from the East coast folk world and kind of turned towards country. So mm -hmm. I feel like he kind of comes at it from a different angle than a lot of his contemporaries that he might get lumped in with, I suppose. I thought he was going to be more of a, a folk guy. Yeah, and he is on other albums, but yeah, this one's a, he definitely leans into the countryside of things. Which I love, just just like when we did that Phil Oaks album where he leaned a bit more into the country stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the more you listen to Jonathan Edwards extended catalog and just kind of like learn about his history as a person a little bit, he just, he's got that traveling man vibe, you know, he's never content with one place or one genre. He's always changing it up and just following whatever path makes sense to him in the moment. And, you know, maybe that had something to do with not having a big follow-up hit to the song Sunshine because he kept doing things people didn't quite expect him to do, you know, following up this, like, amazing pop folk song with a country rock album is probably not the greatest commercial move, but artistically, it's great. Uh, I think his catalog holds up very, very well, especially this album. Yeah, and reading interviews with him, he... It seems like that was his intent. Like he kind of struggled with the fame that suddenly came on during Sunshine. And actually he toured for years to the point that he got like sick and it was apparently life-threatening at one point when he decided to kind of pull back from playing music so much and putting so much effort there. But he long holds that like he just cares about making good music and he didn't really care about not making a follow-up hit or becoming like super famous again that's not really why he's in it it seems like that's beautiful also i had read that the song sunshine was not intended to even be on the album in the first place but they had a song that the engineer accidentally recorded over. So they fired that engineer and then threw this extra song out there and it became his, you know, biggest hit by far as seems to often be the case with some artists that kind of like throwaway extra track ends up being the biggest hit of your career. Yeah. Radiohead creep. Oh, true. <laughs> I know that there's a strong co- correlation between Jonathan Edwards and Radiohead. <laughs> you just, you, are taking me on dead ends tonight, Peter. I don't know how I feel about this. All right, well. Let's, let's jump into who Jonathan yeah, who, Edwards I was, is. That's what I was going to ask. Who is he? Well, he was born in 1946 in Aitken, Minnesota. That's out in the sticks north of Minneapolis. And then his family moved to Virginia when he was six. He grew up in Virginia. It sounded like the rest of his child life and began singing in church at age eight, started learning piano by ear while he was in church. At some point he was sent to military school. I don't know if that was by choice or if he was a naughty boy. That was unclear to me. But while in military schools where he picked up guitar and started learning the guitar. (laughs) The guitar. The guitar. He went to Ohio University in Athens, Ohio to study painting, and that's where he started playing shows around at clubs and starting to build a following, and he just decided to pursue music and dropped out, moved the band to Boston. Down, down, ding, 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 more than a feeling. He joined Boston, huh? No, he didn't join the band Boston. He moved to the city. Boston. Oh, I forget there's a city. Yeah. That's what they're named after. Yeah. Okay. The city's named after the band Boston. Gotcha. So in 1967, moves to Boston, 
releases his kind of first album as in the band called Sugar Creek. And he's playing in different kind of bands and clubs and decides he just wants to go solo. He's getting more into acoustic music and moving away from electric instruments. And I think that that band that he was in was contained the uh, singer that did that Shut Up Your Face song. Yes. <laughs> Who was that guy's name? That's true. That's Joe Dolce. That's right. Who I believe wrote a song on this album as well. It appears they remained friends, but he went solo and started playing college dorms, I guess. He bought a PA and would just set up and play at these college dorms, building a following, and uh, then he started opening for like Allman Brothers and B.B. King, which brought him enough attention to get that first record deal. So I want to jump to another song now. We're going to play That's What Our Life Is. All right. said I would shine like the light in the city I hoped it would be like the moon on the sea for there was no one around when I died with my guitar and now there's a million people waiting for me well I come on in my soul out for an hour I play a few songs and go home with a flower but I don't let it change all the things I believe in like love and its music and I wish I wasn't That's what our life is That's what our home is That's what our life is How could I have known As I wrote down dreams That they'd hear them, they'd live them Oh, they learned they were golden And I learned not to tell Dreams can never be too big But only small mm -hmm. That's what our life is That's what our side I don't know if either of you mentioned it before this, but those first two tracks we played are actually the last two tracks on the whole album, which is interesting because I feel like often with records, people will kind of bury what they think are the weaker songs at the end of the album. And 
uh, I'm with Jeremy. Those last two are two of my favorites on the whole record. And I think there's something a little bit special about that. Just like making it all the way through and having those two gems buried at the end there like that, you know, like not everybody's going to make it all the way to the end of a record and uh, find that hidden gold there. And the song itself, it explains why that is. I mean, that song, if you listen to the lyrics, he's talking about his experience of becoming famous post-Sunshine and talking about how important it is for him to hold on to his integrity. So here he is putting a gem of a song at the end because that's artistically where he thinks it should go instead of putting it up front so that the consumers hear it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. That's one of the more stripped down songs on the album, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's more in the folky vein. Has like a rural flavor to it, but it's not like full on country like a lot of the songs in this album. Yeah. As I said, it kind of reiterates what I had said earlier about his, the importance of maintaining his integrity and kind of where he wanted to go after the, you know, shocking success of Sunshine, which. He also did in his real life. After that song became huge, he moved to a farm out on in rural western Massachusetts and started learning how to farm and garden and work the land. And he was actually listening. In 1971, Lefty Frizzell put out a version of Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy that he heard, and that's became the title track and all that for this album. Oh, because he felt like it, the song itself was like describing where he was as a person at this point. Oh, so the title track is a cover of Lefty Frizzell. Uh, not Lefty. Lefty's version is also a cover. Okay. Um, the original writer was Daryl Statler. Oh, is that one of the Statler brothers? No, I looked that up, assuming that it had to be one of the Statler brothers. And fun fact, none of the members of the Statler brothers had the last name Statler. Oh, what? <laughs> they were they were named after a brand of tissues. Wow. Oh, man. I had no idea. We're going places now. Yeah. <laughs> this is fascinating. Teaching the people. Yeah, about half of the songs on around half of the songs on this album are covers Mm. and he described most of his albums are have at least some covers on them and oftentimes close to half okay but he like i don't know it seems like he hears a song and if he relates to it strong enough he'll just go with it like channel it through him kind of like our boy kenny another parallel to kenny rankin Yeah, absolutely. This is the follow-up album to his big solo hit. And this is in that period where he starts touring too much. He puts out like two more albums in pretty quick succession uh, around this time and then moves to Nova Scotia and is going to like take a break from music because as I mentioned earlier, he got so ill that apparently he almost died. 
So he moves to Nova Scotia and starts farming, working the land up there, and just kind of retreating. Eventually, Emmy Lou Harris calls him back and wants him to sing some backup vocals on a track of hers. And that's where he kind of gets pulled back into the music world where he's been ever since. More parallels to Graham Parsons. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I didn't realize that he was featured on that Emmylou Harris record until making the playlist for this episode. And I've kind of always thought of Jonathan Edwards as kind of a similar to Graham Parsons type vibe where, you know, he did the the country rock thing, but there was obviously a lot of other influences going on and... Yeah, Emmy Lou Harris, for people who don't know, um, was close with Graham Parsons and recorded with him quite frequently. So it's interesting that after he passed and Emmy Lou puts out her first solo record that she calls up Jonathan Edwards to come and do some harmony with her. Yeah. I guess all the more reason that I made that comparison to, you know, I checked out Graham Parsons heavily and left Jonathan Edwards just neglected until my good buddy Jeremy Ruggles said, no more. It's time, Peter. It's, it's time. <laughs> He's still alive, but it's worth listening to. Yeah. It's time you shake off the chains of culture and <laughs> stop worshiping the dead. The grateful dead. Um, I also know that one common influence between those two artists is the great George Jones. Uh, both those guys had named him as a primary influence for their, especially for their more country influenced material. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think Graham Parsons referred to George Jones as the king of broken hearts or something to that effect. Makes sense. Jonathan Edwards called him the king of driving your lawnmower drunk to the store to get more beer. <laughs> as he was known. <laughs> oh, my. Well, there are, uh, well, there's... One very well-known player on this album. I don't know if you guys scoped the players. Was it uh, Bill Keith? Bill Keith. I did see that. Yeah, he's he has a style of banjo named after him. That means you're pretty big in the country world. You're one of like three people if you have a banjo style named after you. So he has his own thing, the Keith style banjo. It's a kind of derivative of... Scrug style derivative. I don't know if derivative is the right word there. Informed, uh, uh, like an offshoot. Offshoot. Yeah, a departure from a little bit. Uh, it's also got to be noted that Bill Keith was a member of Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys. So not only does he have his own style named after him, but he played in the group that basically invented the genre. Yeah, or at least had the genre named after them. Yeah, he was a, a heavy hitter, and. The other folks on this album are not that level of royalty, but also high-quality players. Uh, Stuart Shulman is kind of a multi-instrumentalist on this thing. He does some bass, some piano. He did some of the string arrangements. And he's been playing with Jonathan. I saw as late as 2005, he was still getting credits on Jonathan Edwards' albums. So they've remained uh, tight. Yeah. Eric Lilliquist on the lead guitar and backup Vox on this album. By uh, Vox, I mean vocals. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Not a Vox organ. Yeah, I was dropping some uh, industry talk there. Yeah. 
But he had a band called Orphan that was a pretty big band as well. You got Elena Mitsetti did the arrangement on the next track, I Want to Play Morning Train, which is a traditional. And she's done stuff with like Peter, Paul, and Mary, and also Sting, I saw. And you got Richard Adelman on the drums, who would later go on to be the drummer for I'd Buy That Alumni, Donna Summer. Oh, wow. Interesting. Not the connection I was expecting to have made on this episode. <laughs> yeah. I was surprised, but if you're a good drummer, you can keep a beat. doesn't matter the genre. Hey, real quick, before we go any further, I just got to say that the reason that George Jones was referred to as the King of Broken Hearts was because he put out a record of that name in 1965. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you said that. I was like, that sounds super familiar. I think that's an album title. And I looked it up, and yes, <laughs> it was. <laughs> well... It's good you clarified that for the Jones heads out there that have been like just yelling at us. Yeah, the couple people out there are just like, what the fuck, guys? Come on. <laughs> I've been meaning to become a Jones head. I need to dive more in. Same. I like, like, I haven't heard anything that I disliked, but I don't think I own any records, maybe like a comp or something. But yeah, I got a, I got a deep dive on George Jones because, man, what a talent. Yeah, and so many people who I think are like God level musicians are like yeah he was the best one sure sure well from there i'd like to go to the next song morning train we're talking we're going over to side one on this one this is a very jeremy pick for this track i would say wow if i was gonna listen to this record and try and figure out which which song i think is most likely that jeremy would include it'd be this one yeah at the beginning when jeremy asked me what the one song that i knew by Jonathan Edwards prior to this was I was going to try to go with uh, one on this. What is it? The ballad of Upsy Daisy. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I said the ballad. Uh, Obviously that wasn't it, but I probably would have included the ballad of Upsy Daisy had this been my selection. I really liked that one. And I was like, Jeremy's not going to include that one. (laughs) That's true. It's not my vibe. That's actually the song Joe Dolce wrote though. Oh, is it? Yeah. There you go. It was worth bringing up. So <laughs> what we're listening now to Midnight Train? Morning Train. Morning Train. <laughs> Close. And if, <laughs> and if you're looking for, you know, some posy jams, go ahead and go play Ballad of Upsy Daisy. <laughs> it's right after this one. <laughs> If you don't see me, hear me singing 
All of my sins are gone away Lord, they're long gone away Well, I don't know it But I've been told Heaven, Lord, they're all done up in gold. Keep your hands on that plow now, hold on. Sister Mary, oh, my proud sister Mary, she wore her three links of chain. My sister Mary wore three links of chain, chain. Sister Mary wore three lengths of chain and on leg was my good Jesus name. Now I gotta clarify, Jeremy, that I wasn't trying to throw you any shade by saying that I knew that was gonna be your pick. In fact, the more I thought about it, I think one of the cool things about this record is that there are different styles that would speak to different people. And I think it's cool that all three of the co-hosts like this record and would have probably picked entirely different tracks had we been the the lead host on it. So there's a lot to dig into with this record. There's some songs that might speak to you at first, and the more you listen to it, other songs will kind of open up to you. And that's one of the many charms of this album and Jonathan Edwards' catalog in general. Yeah, there were a couple goofy ones for me. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Something for the whole family. What are yours, Sean? What are the ones you would have gone with? I really like the first two tracks. You started with the last two tracks. I would have started with the first two, Stop and Start It All Again and Everything. And I also really like the song It's a Beautiful Day, track two from the second side. Okay. I One of them I'm not going to play that is maybe... <laughs> wow, it's funny I'm saying this now. Give us a song, but I kind of skimmed over it because there's a lot of religious stuff in there and I couldn't find anything about if he's religious in some way or if it's more about like searching for something and spirituality. So I I couldn't find any answers to any of those questions. So I decided to avoid the topic entirely. And here I am talking about it. (laughs) Jeremy, the whole, the whole point is you, you can't find answers. You need to talk about it. It's religion. Exactly. <laughs> that one right there is, I really like the track, that track right there, even though I didn't even remember the title going in, <laughs> but I really like that one. The vibe on there, I think we were saying while we were listening that it almost sounded like it could have been a collaboration with our, uh, another I'd buy that alum Chico Borque. Yeah, you hear a little bit of that with the kind of Latin influence on the percussion and everything. And then the other artist that it reminds me strongly of is Richie Havens. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, especially yeah. with like the the guitar style and the, the, the way he's layering the vocals on top. Yeah, man, some interesting connections there and a, a great track, I got to say. Even though it might not have been one of my four picks, I do love that song. I'm pretty sure Richie Havens had a song about a train on the album that we covered alarm clock (laughs) that makes sense (laughs) i would also be remiss to mention two names i forgot to mention also on this album on that conga drum you heard there dean adrian and then there was chandler travis on maracas oh yeah that was a name that i the chandler travis name i saw that and i feel like i know it from somewhere but i couldn't place 
what he's done. <laughs> Maybe I was just thinking of Chandler from Friends. <laughs> and Travis style picking. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. You got it. That's another style of picking, right, Travis? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Travis picking. Everybody's doing it. Well, I've led you down another dead end here, Jeremy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're Thank killing you, it with Peter. that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I came to do. Uh, well, that's kind of uh, the end of what I wanted to cover. He went on to create many more albums. He's still doing it. He's still out there playing. If you're out on the East Coast, you can probably catch him sometime in the near future. He's still got it. I heard him shredding some harmonica. It ruled. Yeah, and I've looked up some fairly recent live videos of him as well, and I gotta say, like the, the vocals are still fully intact. Yeah, I, I definitely, being out on the East Coast, I want to see him in concert next time I get the opportunity. Looking forward to making that happen. Yeah, his, this isn't no Bob Dylan. You're not going to get some like gravelly old man who can barely sing anymore. You're getting the real <laughs> deal still. Exactly. The truth from Jonathan Edwards. Well, Sean, Dad, do you have some other tunes for the people that are now in love with Jonathan Edwards and want to hear more? I sure do. I put together a 21-song playlist, clocking in at one hour and ten minutes. Featuring a whole bunch of other Jonathan Edwards songs, including all three of the tracks that I said I would have included if it had been my episode. On top of that, we got some Willie Nelson from his massively underrated album, The Troublemaker, um, showing a little bit of the kind of gospel country influence that I hear bits of on this Jonathan Edwards record as well. Um, there's a Tammy Wynette and George Jones collaboration track on here. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to mention the all the mishmash of influences on this record i think we kind of breeze through that there's a bunch of different sounds but there's like some california vibe going on there's some obvious folk and country there's like that sort of back to the land messaging going on as mentioned it it kind of seems like there's that psychedelic jesus stuff going on well, too and there's another artist that strangely we haven't even mentioned who would have been a contemporary of his, uh, John Prine. I'm hearing some similarities oh, yeah. to John Prine yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. And I've heard several people say that this album in particular is heavily influenced by what was known as the Bakersfield sound out of California. That was primarily associated with Buck Owens. Oh yeah. Hot dog. Hot dog. I should put a Buck Owens track on this playlist. I haven't done that yet. So it's, it's going to be a 22 song <laughs> playlist in an hour and 13 minutes, probably. But other artists that are on this playlist, I put a Emmylou Harris track with Jonathan Edwards collaborating. That's the song Wheels from her album Elite Hotel. Uh, some I'd Buy That for a Dollar alum. There's a Matthews Southern Comfort track on there. Richie Havens, Melanie. I got a Michael Martin Murphy track on there, who is a still is, I believe, a collaborator of Jonathan Edwards. They've played together throughout the years. Uh, there's some Brewer and Shipley on here. Michael Nesmith, one of his solo albums, where he also went in kind of a country direction. Uh, I put the Lefty Frizzell version of the song Honky Tonk Stardust Cowboy on here. There's a Bill Keith solo track, the banjo player who we mentioned. Bill Monroe and his Bluegrass Boys, Jesse Colin Young, Carol King, 
and more. You can find that all on Spotify. Just search I'd Buy That Podcast, all one word, to find this and every other playlist that we have made. It's worth mentioning that that Wheels song by Emmy Lou Harris that you mentioned is originally a Flying Burrito Brothers song. Nice. Oh, I also put a an actual Graham Parsons track from Grievous Angel, the song Hearts on Fire, that has some really good Emmy Lou Harris vocal harmony on there as well. Oh, that's a great dollar bin record, Sean. <laughs> it is not a dollar bin record. I mean, I have found that album in a dollar bin once, so it's not impossible, but <laughs> I figured we're going to mention him enough. We should probably put a Graham Parsons track on there so people can know what we were talking about if they're not familiar. Yeah, there's there's probably still some people that aren't hip to Graham Parsons. It's, yeah. I think when you spend enough time in music obsessive circles, some of these names you start to think are household names, and they're not. <laughs> you know, they really are not. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, it sounds like Jeremy had said just about everything he had to say about Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's time. I guess I can sum it up with this. I think the same way we need to get off the whole tortured artist thing and celebrating the druggies and alcoholics and, you know, those people are people too, and we should care about what they do. But we shouldn't, like, exalt them above people who just want to smoke a little reefer and play music for 50 years straight and actually just keep making good music. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, I think we're even probably, I'm guilty of this. Obviously, he's still been making music until recently. I think a lot of the artists that we cover on here I don't necessarily a lot of the times know their later music. Sometimes I'll check it out in preparation for an episode I'm doing. But, you know, these like artists like we've talked about, like Buffy St. Marie, she's still been putting out music, right? Just yeah. like, like check them out. Sometimes it's shocking how good people's late period work can be. And I'm guessing Jonathan Edwards is probably still excellent. Probably still has his voice, like you said. Yeah. And there's a perspective of someone who's, been doing it for so long that you're not gonna hear from someone's second album they're putting out yeah 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 sometimes it's amazing when you really uh, focus on the, the level of maturity that you'll get in the lyricism of uh latter-day works is uh not something to pass over sean dead anything you want to say yeah i will um go in a slightly different direction from peter while uh i, I think Digging into the later catalog is super important. Also, as far as the dollar bin record collecting side of this, I can say that pretty much every record you will find of Jonathan Edwards in the dollar bin is worth buying. His first four records are all absolutely excellent. Self-titled, this one, Have a Good Time for Me, and the live album, Lucky Day. Easy to find, essential records. And then you'll also be able to find his follow-up albums to that, uh, Rock and Chair, Sailboat, the live album and even the uh, bluegrass record he did with a band called the seldom scene in 1985, all worth picking up. So if you like this, you can't go wrong. You see some Jonathan Edwards, just pick it up and you will be happy. Beautiful. I have to say, I'm getting confused about what we're talking about now because we're, the Jonathan Edwards record was sitting and I was staring at it all this time. Now there's a big thief album right there. <laughs> I keep, I'm a fidgeter. The whole time we're recording, I'm like moving around, grabbing things, picking them up, putting them in a different spot. Yeah. Just to paint a picture for you out there. 
Peter calmly sits by the microphone and I fidget around. It's weird because it's probably the only time I calmly do something. I'm a known <laughs> fidgeter myself. Same. I've been fidgeting with a lighter this entire time we've been recording and many other times that we've been recording. <laughs> I know. I have to edit out every time you flick it. <laughs> I think I haven't flicked it at all this episode unless I've done it without consciously realizing, which is entirely possible. Which is what a fidgeter does. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, you haven't. I keep track. All right. Good. Good. You know, it's something about this uh, nerdy music history that's just so soothing. All right. I'm going to leave you with a soothing song. Dream song. Is this the one where he says something along the lines of, like, you you know, he says something, you you know her better than you probably, or I know her better than you probably know me, and you know me. I (laughs) like, he immediately falls the line with, and you know me. Yeah, that's that quality songwriting right there. Yeah. I like that. It really grabbed me. I thought it was a fun turn of phrase. I read a handful of different like user reviews of this record on different platforms, and I saw several people saying that this song in particular, Dream Song, is their all-time favorite Jonathan Edwards track, so you're getting a real deep-cut fan favorite here. Oh, awesome. Well, this has been I'd Buy That for a Dollar, and my name is Peter Cook. I'm Sean Hartman. I'm Jeremy Ruggles, and please do enjoy the dream song. Sometimes I believe like I'm going home, home to the one I've been waiting I've got a dream I've been dying to tell her I ain't gonna rest till I see her Run to me You call me a dreamer And I don't really mind I bet you my baby's dream is Just like mine And tell me I'm crazy And I'll probably But I know her better than you know me And you know me I'm the one that's been away And I remember